I want to ask you, how is your heart? How is that heart of yours? What, what's, been, what's been allowed to be in there this week? Father, would you just speak to our hearts? Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll... Yeah, Lord, we want you to speak to our minds. But God, would you speak to our hearts? Because above all else, Lord, it's the wellspring of life in us. And Lord, we pray that we can be heart people, living from our hearts. Touch our minds, touch our bodies. But Lord, today we just give you a heart. Yeah. Amen. You know, I'm just going to speak just for a few moments today. Our, our spiritual armor this week, what we're going to talk about is the breastplate of righteousness. Please take a seat just for a moment. And we've been telling you, and, and we're saying over in Easter, we're saying, come on, let's get out there. Let's share this great message. Did you enjoy that four points film? Isn't that just simple? Do you think you could learn that and say that to somebody? And, and in a kind way, in a, in a good way, just spread seeds of the gospel. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be really good? Somebody shout to me. Wouldn't that be great, church? What about in your school? What about, you know, over there in Q3 Academy, just spreading seeds, spreading seeds of life, just giving it out? There was a guy, uh, we, uh, Natalie showed me a film this week. There's a chap in Heartlands Hospital, and he and he'd had an infection in his sternum or his breastplate bone here. And, uh, oh, that hurt. And, uh, and uh, he had to have it taken away. And he was very vulnerable. If he'd have been, if he'd have been hit there, if he'd have been, you know, it would have been a, a, tr- a terrible thing against his heart. It could have been a vital, uh, fatal uh, injury if he'd have been hit there. But in Heartlands Hospital, they did a 3D titanium a breastplate for him. It's amazing. And they cut him open. I've got a film of it, but I thought, mm, perhaps not for Sunday morning. They cut him open, and they attached this breastplate to each one end of his ribs, and now he's got a titanium breastplate to protect his heart. Because actually, the protection of your heart it's really important. And now I'm going to sp- speak to spiritual language. The protection of your heart is vital. And if you don't protect your heart, and if you make yourself suspect, susceptible to things, then the, the enemy wants to wheedle his way or... Uh, kind of burrow his way into his heart, and into your heart, and plant things there to cause confusion, to cause a lack of motivation. Now, when we talk about this armor, and it's in Ephesians 6.14, and actually it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness and make sure it's in place. Don't look at what we're going to talk about today and say, oh yeah, that's over there. You have to make sure it's in place. Look at that little phrase. Put the breastplate of righteousness in place. And what the Bible's trying to say is your heart is so important that you need to guard your heart. Now in speaking about spiritual armor, let me just remind you 
that what we are saying is we want to put on the attitudes, behaviors, and thoughts, and identity of Christ. Remember, Isaiah 59 verse 17 says, we read that he put on righteousness as his breastplate. We have to understand that the spiritual armor is to mold us to seek to be like Christ himself. And this breastplate of righteousness is a protection over our motivational center, our heart, your deepest motivations. You all know Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. You've all quoted Philippians 4 verse 7. And when the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The guarding of the heart is something that God does, but it gets stronger as you cooperate with him. And so today, I want to just to talk a little bit and not do any heart surgery, but do some heart guarding. And maybe it will lead to some heart surgery. You see, Satan's, one of his greatest attacks on you is through doubt and confusion about your standing in relationship with God. Now, I just want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that right now, are you ready? Have you got your imagining minds on? You know, don't let church be boring. Let it be creative. But I want you to imagine, I'm standing here and all of a sudden you're sitting there. All of a sudden you go and you're standing before the throne of God. You're no longer sitting there. You're standing before the very throne of God. How do you feel right now? For some of you, you're going, please, please let that be. I'm a bit tired of this old life. Please, God, whenever you're ready, please. For some of you, you're thinking, not sure. Just want you to take a step back for a moment and think, How do I feel about my relationship with God? Would you have to get your dustpan and brush out and be sweeping out some edges of your life and saying, hang on a minute, God, before we have any talk, let me just sweep this up. You see, one of the things that Satan wants to do is he wants to put a doubt in your mind about your relationship with God. He wants to say, man, if you were translated to the throne of God, you better, you better be really careful because you're not right. And you know what? That may be true. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to put yourself right with God today. But if you have accepted Christ, if you have given your heart to Jesus, even if you're not a very good Christian, this is what the Bible says. Everybody turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. I'm going to read it in its entirety. We need to understand that actually the first part of the breastplate of righteousness is we have right standing before God. 
that we've been purchased. Romans 3, 22 through 26 says this. Through righteousness, this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. I'm going to pause. What God did was he gave us Jesus to show us that he was righteous But he gave us Jesus so that if we accept him by faith, we receive the righteousness of Christ. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. And the one who justifies those has those justified in Jesus. Look at Philippians 3 verse 9. Paul said, I'm found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith. The righteousness that comes from God is if you believe in God, he cloaks you and puts all over you the righteousness of Christ. And so the breastplate of righteousness is that you are trusting in that righteous relationship you have with God. It's got nothing to do with you. It's all because of the blood of Jesus. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, it says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will be we saved through him? He shed his blood for you, and therefore, he says, have my righteousness on you. Make it so that you have right standing with me. Your standing with God has nothing to do with you and your works. It's all about Jesus shed his blood and said, okay, now we can be in relationship. And what the devil does all the time is say, you're not good enough. And all the time, what God wants to do is remind you, but my son's death was good enough. And I've placed that on you. It's vital that you believe now that you're in relationship with God and that the love of God, Romans 5.5, has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So this is how we secure the breastplate of righteousness and stop the attacks on our heart. We have to allow the love of God to bathe us We have to keep saying to God and ourselves and we keep believing that God, you've saved me, you've purchased me and I am in relationship with you. How's your heart? Oh, Pastor Mark, I know that. This is all just very good theory. But how's your heart? If right now I took you, I couldn't do this, but all of a sudden you went and you're standing in front of God, would you cower in his presence or would you say, Father, I am in your righteousness covered by the blood of God. 
by the blood of Christ, I stand before you amazed in the presence of the Nazarene. I am in your life and love. I am filled with you. I am completing you. I stand righteous before God, not because of me, but because I've accepted what Christ did for me. And you know what, Satan? You've got nothing to say because that death has completely saved me. You have nothing to say. You've got nothing to speak into my life. You've got no authority over my life. You have nothing on me. Your sticky fingers slide off me because I'm covered completely by the blood of God. And he did that for me. And you see, the breastplate of righteousness is you saying, I stand in right relationship to God because of what God has done for me. Doesn't Ephesians say, it is by grace you've been saved, not of works. It's a gift of God. And then, verse 10 goes on and says, but you have some works to do. The work's not made up by yourself, but made up by God before the very creation of the world. So I'm not preaching today a lazy Christianity. I just want to say, how's your heart? How is your heart? The enemy wants to say, you're not good enough. I want you just to stand in God's presence today and say, by the righteousness of Christ, paid for me, bought for me, I stand in relationship with God. You see, lots of other faiths, lots of other religions, they're trying to work their way to God. One of the greatest things about Christianity is God has worked his way down to us and said, I'm coming to you and I'm making you righteous. You're connected, so trust Jesus. You're loved through the work of Jesus. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, It is because of him that you are in Christ, and who has now become from us the wisdom of God that is righteousness, holiness, and redemption. From this right standing, from that relationship, the second part of the armor and how it's secured, you secure it first of all by saying, well, God, you've paid for me. And nothing can take that away from me. So I'm not going to listen when it says, when the enemy tries to say, you're not really a very good Christian. I'm not listening. I just want to say to you today, if you've accepted Christ by faith, you're in relationship with God. And then from that, you can now do righteous things. And that secures that piece of the armor as well. It guards your heart. And the reason why you can't access some of the beautiful truth of the first part of this, your right standing with God, is because you're in right standing with God, but you're doing nothing with it. And when you do nothing with it, it sits there like a throbbing reminder that, oh, you've received the greatest gift in the world. Why would you do nothing with it? 
So then, Romans chapter 6, it's a really long, long chapter. If you go in Romans chapter 6, it says things like this. Look at verse 13. Don't offer any of the parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God. You're in relationship with him, so offer yourself to God. And you've been brought back from death to life. You were once lying on the slab, but God breathed in you and you rose from the dead. And offer the part of every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You're God's scalpel in the world to cut out injustice. You're his instrument of righteousness. For sin so no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What then shall we say? Shall we sin uh, because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. We won't want anything to do with that mucky stuff. We want to be clean and righteous. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. So if you say, oh, I'm just going to do this little sin, that's not a little sin, that's a little master that then begins to dominate you. See, sins are not just things that you do, they're little dominions and kingdoms that rule you. So don't offer yourself to sin because what you offer yourself becomes, you become a slave to it. And whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or if you are a slave to God, it leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have now come to obey from your heart this pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and you become slaves to righteousness. So my very simple teaching today is this. If you want to be protected in your heart, understand that God has purchased your salvation with his blood. Like a cloak, he has dropped his righteousness all over you. So when God looks at you, he looks at the work of Christ. And then because you've got that, from that, you then can do the works of God that you were created in Christ Jesus to do what he prepared for you to do before the foundation of the world. So, when you get a prompting in your mind, I wonder if I should do that, that's the Holy Spirit saying, do that. Because you're expressing what Christ has already done in your heart. And you'll make the breastplate of righteousness more secure as you live it out. So what do you want to be a slave to? A slave to sin that leads to death or a slave to God that leads to holiness, righteousness and a free and gorgeous life in him. Did I say the word gorgeous? I think I did. Would you please just stand with me? Because I'm just going to give you a little strategy now for fighting spiritual warfare. Natalie, just come on up if you will. I wonder if God took you to his throne room right now. I'd just love to be there. You know, the first thing that you can do to begin to use this armor 
is prayer and praise. You know that's a weapon. The reason why it's a weapon is because it, and I say this often, it recalibrates your heart and puts God back in his rightful place. What we're doing here this morning when Ure's giving it some and we're all giving it some and, you know, Natalie's lifting up. We're actually establishing something in the spirit that helps you to live stronger. In fact, the psalmist put it this way. I will exalt you, Lord, and you will lift me out of the depths and do not let my enemies gloat over me. When you actually pray and praise, the enemy doesn't have as much say in your life. So I want to encourage you. We have great Sunday praise. What about Tuesday night over baked beans praise at your house? If this is the only time you praise God, that's why darkness is coming into your life. Prayer and praise. In fact, one of the weapons of the spiritual armor is unceasing prayer. And pray for me on all occasions, Paul says. So your first weapon in my spiritual armor strategy is prayer and praise. Can somebody just give him praise right now? Would you just lift him up? And you see, you're just, you're not making, you're not just making a noise. What you're doing is recalibrating what existence should be, but also your heart. That's a weapon. So this week, can you praise God every day? Not just, oh, praise God, my coffee's gone cold. Don't say that. What can I commission you? Uh, uh, Jordan, just come with me. Uh, this, is, this is a Viking handshake, okay? Like that. It's a strength handshake. I want you to do that to each other in a moment and commission each other and say, would you praise God this week, every day? Okay? Turn to somebody and do that Viking handshake and say, in strength, would you praise God this week? I'm going to do this really quickly. Second strategy for spiritual warfare is unity and forgiveness. The living out as we're supposed to, that we don't give the enemy a a chance to tear us apart. You see, Paul said, he said this, if I, if, if I, he said, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what, and I, can't get my words out. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And then he puts this sentence, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. You see, what the devil wants to do is tear this church and every church apart. I mean, literally tear us apart. So get your Viking handshake out and say, we're not going to be tearing apart. Come on, just hang, shake somebody's hand and say, we're not going to be teared apart. Because we're not unaware of his schemes. We're not unaware of the fact that he would like to rip this church off the face of Birmingham, never again to be known, grind it into powder and to say, it's gone, it's history. But you know what? He's not got that power. Third thing is, 
Some people ask me and say, Pastor Mark, when are we going to see more miracles? But you see, miracles and mission go together. Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe, accompany those who believe. In the name of Jesus, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, and they will, if they drink anything that's poisonous, it won't harm them. And then it says they will raise the dead. Mission and miracles, the work of God out there, when we go on mission, the miracles will come. So if you put your life now and you say, I'm on a mission from Monday. I'm going to share some four points with somebody. I'm going to be out there. I heard about one of our congregations. They pray for people in the supermarket and God's healing people in the supermarket. God bless Tesco's, I say. (laughs) See, if you leave this place today and you say, I'm I'm just going to go to work. No, you've got to go on a mission. And mission and miracles will happen together. And that's his third strategy. And last strategy is this. If you'll be generous, irrationally generous, with your praise to other people, encouragement, with your finances, with your time, it's a sign of God's grace and God's riches that when you richly bless others, it shows that God has richly blessed you. In fact, doesn't the scripture say, in the context of mission, freely you have received, freely give. Get your Viking handshake out again. Say to someone, freely you've received, freely give. Come on, commission them in that. So here's your strategy for warfare this week. Okay, this is how you're going to go out there. First of all, say it after me. Prayer and praise. Okay. Secondly, unity and forgiveness. Is anybody you need to forgive? You forgive them. Thirdly, mission and miracles. Lastly, irrational generosity. Freely, say with me, freely, I have received, freely Lord, I want to give your gospel, your life, the prayers for people, my love, my encouragement, everything I have, and you know what, we're going to push back darkness, we're going to push it back, we're going to push it back, it's not going to work. Satan, you have nothing to say. You have no authority because we are under Christ. In Jesus' name, we stand in right relationship with him and we will do the works that he's put before us and we're going to push your kingdom back. Amen. Come on, let's lift him up. Come on, let's lift him up. sing together. Sing Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone.